Hey, what's going on? This is Brandon. This is Joshua. This is Dave. And this is the Monster Makeup Crew, the co-creators of Death Drop Gorgeous. You are now tuned in to PVD Horror. Perfect. Perfect. (laughs) You are now tuned in to PVD Horror. All of you are very pretty. Hi, I'm Zeta Glossik, and you're tuning in into PVD Horror. Takes a lot of love for a person to do this. I think right. I misunderstood the assignment, so, but I'm very happy. <laughs> 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 we we did uh ben and Derek johnson and they did it like 17 times and couldn't and it was only two of them and couldn't get it right oh that was awesome though because yeah well luckily anyone who watches our movie knows that we don't take ourselves too seriously so i think i think what do you mean <laughs> what do you mean <laughs> i have no idea what you're talking about so, guys, thank you so much for coming on. This is uh, way past overdue. And one of the actually the first things I wanted to like just mention is that, you know, as much as we want to support you guys and have tried to support you guys, you guys have supported us throughout our whole being of PVD horror, like just as much, if not more. Um, obviously, you know, we have done all the movie events. You guys, I don't think have you missed any? I mi- yeah, I missed oh. a few at um revival. The, um, All right, well, yeah. scratch. We're gonna cut that out. You say you didn't like, miss any. <laughs> we, we, didn't no. miss like, uh, we were on vacation for one. That was it. I think we just oh, okay. Moved, um, uh, for, the Friday the Thirteenth Part Three was the only one. I was bummed about that too. So I heard it was packed. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I mean, this is definitely. Too. Yeah, that one was. But I mean, this is like definitely been. I mean, I, we were kind of acknowledging it's been three years now that we've been doing this. So we've known you guys for pretty much almost three years. So it's awesome because um, wow. we started doing the mu- movie events like shortly after we kind of started doing this whole thing. So like one of the things I was thinking about is just how the relationship um, in some communities, as far as like supporting each other, it's kind of rare. Like a lot of communities, it can get competitive or just like kind of catty. Um, but I find in horror, they're like, the support for each other in the horror community seems to be there a little bit more often. I mean, there is some competitiveness, but at the same time, finding this kind of dynamic isn't like that far of a stretch. Why do you guys think that is? It's a good question. It's, it's a very similar to the metal community too. I get the same vibes. Metal community and horror community are very, very similar. It's a low competition. Everyone supports each other. Um, why that happens? Um, yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's just niche enough and everyone's just a weirdo enough where you just kind of bond and just being like a total outsider. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I was gonna say the same thing. I feel like it's just like usually outcasts and outsiders or folks that feel a little, a little, I don't know, on the on the outskirts of things. Um, because I found I don't know, like even going to your pop-up and like doing that was like so heartwarming because it was just like it just felt like an actual community that I didn't know it ran that deep. So yeah, I don't know. And in some ways, uh, it overlaps and relates very much so to the queer community. You have these uh, small, small groups of people who gather and um, a lot can happen between them. Like what? (laughs) 
motherfucking horror movie. I was going to say like butt sex, but. <laughs> See, that's where it gets competitive. But when you go to a gay bar and say, hey, can we film here? You get much better results. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And we uh, actually, I went to one of your events, too. You guys did. Um, oh, God, I can't remember what it was. And there was supposed to be a drag show, but it didn't happen because of COVID. Remember? That was pretty cool. Oh, oh, yeah. Um, down at um at dust, the total trash nights. Oh yeah. My daughter was snapping pictures the whole night, like all her friends were like, Where are you? She's like, I'm at a club. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) When I were talking about bringing that back, um, now that dusk is back in full swing, it's it's hard to get uh nights there, but um we miss showing movies there, it was so fun. Um we might we might talk in the future about relocating it somewhere else that doesn't have that's not so busy. But I'm I'm happy that dusk is you know getting the uh, the traffic in there, which is great. Sure. Cool. Yeah. So like Dave said, uh, we appreciate all the support. You know, all you guys always coming out to, to our events. How did you guys end up meeting each other? Aww. Oh, uh, us? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Brandon's really the glue, um, uh. <laughs> the magnet and the glue. Um, uh, I've known uh, Brandon since I was like 17 years old because uh, he was really good friends with my sister in college. So every time I came down to visit her in Providence, I got to see this guy. And I was like, who is this very cool, very handsome, very metal gay dude? And how can I invade his life? <laughs> <laughs> In a very similar trajectory, I saw Brandon under beautiful bar lighting um, <laughs> called the Alley in Boston. And I was like, who is this handsome metal gay dude across the bar? <laughs> and um, and then I hit on him and it was very embarrassing. Um, and then that's how I met Chris. So Brandon is really the glue because wow. I didn't know Chris before. And um Brandon and I were talking horror movies and he told me about this insane idea that he had with Chris uh, about a drag queen and uh, um, a, a bath of blood. And then that's how I met Chris. Yeah, I feel like that that um, is like really the inception of the movie is that um, Brandon and I had been brainstorming all of these kind of like fun ways you could kill gay men in a horror movie. <laughs> and uh that we were like there was like a niche of like a good slasher for um specifically queer and gay culture that we were missing and uh we we only had like a like a brief outline of like things we wanted to do and then mike really came in and um like started putting the ideas into paper but i will say that i actually met wayne at the bar and he told me my hair was flat was the first thing <laughs> i don't Is remember that that. Word? <laughs> i don't remember it. <laughs> i do let's, let's hear your story then wayne how'd that go uh, about telling him his hair was flat god i don't know i don't even remember that night um, I met Brandon when <laughs> I met Brandon when I first, I think both of us had just moved to Providence. Um, and we met at like a warehouse show, like some illegal show like in Onlyville or something. I forget. It was, um, I feel like it was a band called white load, which is, <laughs> <laughs> and he was like, I was kind of like staring at me from across the room and I was like, well, I'm probably the only gay dude at this, at this show. I'm probably going to get my ass kicked. And he came over and we just started talking and it turns out we're like, oh, we are two gay dudes at this, you know, this crazy show. 
<laughs> and then that. after, yeah, and then after that, uh, Brandon was friends with Chris's sister, Vicky. And then I think eventually I met Chris. And then as the movie started to get pieced together, um, I got introduced to Mike. And it was almost as if I had known Mike for about 13 years because the movie was so relevant to situations that I've been in working in the bar life. And that it was like, wait a minute, did you guys tell me stories? And it just Mike had pieced it all together. I did a character study and I stalked Wayne for <laughs> <laughs> that's why he was so paranoid he was gonna beat up at that show you had actually been stalking him the whole time <laughs> i think brandon was stalking all of us <laughs> yeah like wait a minute <laughs> <laughs> every story involves just brandon like staring at them and then being like who is this man who is <laughs> it, it, it sounds like this movie's been going on for five years but brandon's actually been slowly plotting this for 15 yeah yeah <laughs> just a siren just a siren summoning us very weird cia mission <laughs> <laughs> we, how, how did the three of you guys meet all right. So this was uh, crazy. Me and Dave, we actually worked together. So um, it was just like one day we were we had a flood in the basement at a group home. And so we had to like work together downstairs. And so we just started talking about horror movies, like because he was like new. And so he was just coming in. So like we never really had that chance to kind of like talk and kind of get to know each other any other way. So we were just stuck in the basement cleaning the flood. We had, and we just started talking about fucking horror movies. And we were just like, all right we're cool yeah yeah and then i think like the next day you brought in like six dvds for me to borrow of like movies you burned off of like streaming yeah. sites it was like late to rest and, and i was like you yes. me locked up over here what are you trying to do <laughs> my bad my bad <laughs> i'm really surprised you were in a basement cleaning up a flood in a group home and that inspired a horror conversation that's uh, you know i i tried to go back in that i'm like how do we even get on that but yeah i don't know well, no and, and I, everybody was the situation sounds horrific <laughs> But, the funny thing is we like went upstairs and there was a bunch of people still like working upstairs and they're like what the hell were you guys doing down there like all we could do is hear the, you two guys like grown men like talking like they were like you know chatty cathy's downstairs like you guys wouldn't shut up <laughs> like, we're like i don't know i was the guy in the group home that made the flood that's how they met me <laughs> <laughs> Fucking Josh. I met Josh. So I had just moved into the neighborhood. So he was actually my neighbor. And so I was moving in. And so we're like bringing boxes and shit in. And then like this kid just ran through my living room. I'm like, who the hell is this kid? And then so Josh runs in my house. And he's Wasn't like, Josh? Josh is with his son. And he's just like, hey, we're the neighbors. Uh, sorry, my son just ran in your house. He he usually just runs in his house all the time because he was like good friends with the neighbor, um, with the people that lived there before. And so I'm like, okay. And then Josh is like talking to me. I'm just like, why the fuck is this guy in my house right now? <laughs> <laughs> like, Looking at boxes, he's like, you like horror? You like horror? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I do like horror. I'm like, oh, <laughs> and he's never cool. left. Yeah, and he's never left me alone since. Oh, you didn't have We're a choice, so, but to be his friend. <laughs> so Ours are like, I wanted to have sex with Brandon. You guys are like, <laughs> <laughs> See, we're the same, except we wanted to have sex with our Brandon. And we're like, hey, let's do this. Let's start horror. <laughs> All I can say is my basement is now flooded. Yeah, we'll be over there, especially the basement. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we do that side work. 
<laughs> so uh, with you guys being big horror fans, it's awesome to always talk about films with you guys at our events. I want to know what are some of the main films that got you into horror growing up? It's funny. When I was a kid, I was terrified of horror movies. Um, I read like a lot of horror books, um, but the mm-hmm. movies freaked me out. The books have freaked me out sometimes too. I, was, I read a lot of like mythology and folklore and I was growing up in horror books and um I think that was kind of like a gateway eventually to me watching horror movies. I used to be fucking terrified. I think the first one I finally wasn't scared of was uh, my, my, my dad had like one of those illegal black box things. So like mm-hmm. we get like every freaking channel in the world and like we'd be, like HBO 27. They'll show like the same horror movie in a row like a million times. So me and my stepsister would watch um, Killer Clowns from Outer Space. Yep. I was like, a little scared of it. But then like it got, I, as I watched it multiple times, I'm, like this is fucking stupid. But I loved it. And it kind of started like getting brave enough to watch other things. And then by like, you know, sixth, seventh grade, we were renting just giant stacks of horror movies from the local store, just watching them all on, on the weekends. <laughs> I was, I was cursed from the beginning. Cause I've come from a family of creeps. Like my parents both loved horror. All of my older siblings loved horror. So I was probably exposed to very awful things at a young age. <laughs> like, <too. laughs> um, but I think I was really nostalgic with um, watching uh, X-Files and Tales from the Crypt with my like whole family, like almost every Sunday after like The Simpsons. And mm-hmm. I feel like that was always just ritual. We would always just like sit and like mystery science theater, make fun of movies um, yeah. was kind of our, our shtick. So it's just been part of my life since sure. the get Yeah, I don't remember the exact like... Um entrance i had to horror i do remember like going to the the video store with like we would go i think every friday my mom would let us rent a movie and i remember i'd walk through the horror section and get really scared of the covers and i said this in an interview like a while ago which is really silly now in hindsight but i used to think the cover of may was very scary (laughs) (laughs) it's just a close-up of her face right it's just just a pale white girl it's just some goth girl but for some reason, I thought that was so scary. And I remember I would just walk through the section just to get a thrill. And um, and May was very terrifying. I, I remember my mom didn't let us rent horror movies. Like, that was, that was, like, taboo. And then at some point, I remember all the kids in the neighborhood and I, like, gathered around a TV and watched, like, The Blair Witch Project. And that's, like, the first, like, really big horror memory for me that, like, stood out, that, like, left an impression that, like, made me scared to, like, go in the woods. So... Yeah. I always say the Blair Witch Project. I'm sure there was something prior to. I just um, that's the one that sticks out for me. Yeah. Oh God. Um, I think it all like <laughs> it all just went back to like I I think I was like three or four years old and um my dad and my uncle had rented um Nightmare on Elm Street three and I was always terrified of like the Freddy commercials every time they came on TV. Like I'd hear that New Line Cinema music yep. come on and I would cover my ears, close my eyes, and scream until that commercial ended. Um, but then by the time part three came out, I, for some reason, wanted to watch that, that VHS so bad. And my dad and my uncle had rented that with the faces of death. So that's kind of been my introduction to horror. (laughs) (laughs) Such extreme. Uh, and then it just kind of continued from there. And now we're perfectly well-adjusted adults. (laughs) (laughs) We'll let the uh, viewers of Death Drop uh, make that judgment, actually. (laughs) (laughs) So I want I want to ask you guys. So those were kind of like the films that um, got you interested in horror. But um, were there any characters in any films or any specific films in general that you felt connected to or that like kind of inspired you guys to be confident enough to make a film that was geared towards the LGBTQ plus community? 
a good question. Um, something that definitely sort of drove me in, in just in regards to what little resources we had with making Death Drop was the movie Tangerine, which oh, yeah. is sure. relatively like newer, but I think what the what was so inventive about it was just like it was shot on an iPhone and it was with non-actors and I thought the movie was really powerful and had like a lasting impact. And so I don't know that necessarily was like the main driving force for me for making Death Drop, but I think like seeing that movie and being like, oh no, like we, I could do this if I wanted to and uh, I can write characters that can be played by my friends. And I don't know, that was like kind of special for me. Yeah, I would say I wasn't necessarily isn't like not that there isn't good queer cinema out there. I just don't think that was a main driving for the early development of this project for me. I think there was a lot more horror influences that were there. But um, I think a lot of the queer influences came from our lives. Like our lives were queer. So much of Death Drop is so Providence and our experiences that I feel like the story we wanted to tell was so specific and about our lives. Um, so I felt like that's where a lot of the queer elements for me came in. Yeah, I have a ton of stories about uh, some of the characters in Death Drop and what they're based on. Probably not appropriate for the uh, the podcast, but we'll, we'll talk. <laughs> Probably it's a wild fucking city. I had quite an uh, interesting introduction to the gay community here, but I think there might be a story for another time. <laughs> but yeah, it's Hello, man. Does um, it involve the meat grinder? No, but um, no. <laughs> I used to work at the Eagle way, way long time. <laughs> when I first moved here, I got a job at the Eagle early on, and I don't know if you guys know what that place is, but it's it's yeah. uh, wild. <laughs> Uh, I bar back there for like two, three years. And that was a, a reality TV show waiting to happen in itself. It was just absolute mayhem. Um, some, most of it fun, some of it terrifying, but yeah. Um, Tony Two Fingers character kind of sprung from that world. And especially like with like the really odd mafia connections to all the gay shit in Providence is kind of interesting, but uh, that's kind of like where that character came from. Um, but in regards to like uh, queer cinema influence, what influenced me to jump on uh Death Drop. I'm going to echo what Chris said too. I think it had more of just more of like a horror influence for me than um, the actual like queer cinema. Um, I'm 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 a pretty bad gay. I don't know a lot of queer cinema. I know like um, I love Tuong Fu. I love Priscilla. Um, I love all the John Waters stuff. Um, there's like a whole stack of like gay shit. I probably should watch at some point, but um, definitely more of the, the horror was more of a, an influence for me. We're gonna have to tie Brandon down to watch this. <laughs> but you've seen like Mean Girls, which is like yeah, canon. yeah, I like Mean Girls. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's my favorite movie. Great. <laughs> don't, so, don't tell anybody they'll ruin my reputation. All right. <laughs> can, I, let, can I just ask, because uh, Brandon, you you brought up something super interesting and very Rhode Islandish. Um, she talked about a little bit of a connection with the gay community community and like mafia, like a weird mafia connection. Can you elaborate on that at all? Yeah, so I don't I don't like the full details, but like um the a lot of like mafia people and buddy Sancy were at the gay bars all the time. And like I don't know if it was like like because of drug stuff or laundering stuff, or um you know, they were able to open up these like big elaborate bathhouses in Providence, which in most states it's illegal to do that, but in Providence they fall under a gentleman's club clause, like like a like a cigar bar, like Shriners kind of thing. So like it's they're in a weird way, like tax funded. Um, but it's just this weird, like government connection, mafia connection with like the, the gay nightlife in Providence. I, I, don't, I don't know what is, I don't like the, um, that strip club downtown was another one too. It wasn't a gay thing, but the, uh, the sport 
Sportsman's in? Sport, uh, yeah. Yeah. Yep. yeah. That was a big, like, weird tax-funded mafia creation, too. I mean, it eventually shut down. But, like, that's why indoor prostitution was legal so long in Rhode Island, too. <laughs> I think this be, that just became illegal, like, two or three years ago. Yeah. Oh, it was that long? I thought it was in the uh, earlier 2000s, like 2010 or something. I didn't know oh. it stretched all the way to now. Yeah, I think it, I think it was up until recently that it became illegal, which is really interesting. But <laughs> yeah, and like I would say, like not so Providence specific, but I feel like that's um, like even in New York, all all of like the gay bars in the eighties, those were all funded by the mafia, really, because they were the only landlords that would like actually license it to be open. And all of those bars get raided. We have like a line in um, like towards the end of Death Drop where uh, Gloria Hole says, remember when our bar used to be raided by the cops like every like Saturday night? Maybe not as true to Providence, but that was supposed to be a larger <laughs> idea of um, uh, kind of the illegalness of gay clubs and gay spaces. Gotcha. I actually, because like um, for me, yeah, I don't, I don't know if, I don't know your guys' age specifically, <laughs> um, but like when I was like 18 to 21, there was a ton of like uh, underage bars where oh, we yeah. only had to show a college ID and we could get in. And, <laughs> but uh, it was like, no, it was there was one called The Bar. There was another called Remy's. This was, you know, oh, a while yeah. ago. I remember those. Yeah, we'll be and all you had to do was you just put your drink on the on the counter and act like it wasn't yours and the, the cop <laughs> would just do a walkthrough and then leave and then because they were just pretending like they cared and then they would leave and that was all because there was like you know a lot of like illegal shit going on so i i kind of like just assumed that was something that happens everywhere um but no it's super interesting i didn't really know about those those mafia ties that's kind of interesting to hear did you ever go to balloons the uh the 18 yeah. Club? Yeah. yeah yeah i remember when buddy stancy did his last like attempt at mayor before he died um, I work. I bartended at the Eagle, the Providence Eagle, and he was. I remember I walked in one Saturday night to start my shift, and he was just like there, like as a part of his like little tour. I guess he was doing. I was like, "What is going on?" I remember the owner of the Eagle made us wear like Buddy Cianci T-shirts for our shift, and I was like, "This is so weird." <laughs> and like we turned the porn off the TV for that brief time while he was in there. It was just very. <laughs> <laughs> it's such a Rhode Island thing that he would go, and people actually supported him. Oh that. yeah, yeah. The eagle was all about him yeah. one more last like huzzah um, and getting back into office. Just yeah. so we in Rhode Island. Oh, we have an ex-con. Let's put him back in office. Yeah, like, exactly. Unanimously too. Yeah. Man, if he hadn't have dropped out, he would have won. I swear. No, but he yeah, got shit he done, man. But he got shit done. People can hate on him, but he got shit done. Yeah, he went there I mean, and got the t-shirt. <laughs> where that shirt went yeah i hope maybe i have it somewhere you have to break a few knees and you know put some cement shoes on people to uh, make downtown look nice you know? oh yeah <laughs> hey, hey it worked <laughs> whatever you did work were, were you guys around for pulse yeah yeah oh you were yeah yeah in 2003 yeah we used to so i used to run with the sharps uh uh, I'm sure you guys know the sharps yeah. for anybody that doesn't know uh, skinheads against racial prejudice. So when, when I was in my early or uh, late teens, early twenties, we used to go to Pulse and we would stand outside and anybody that fucked with the guys leaving, we used to beat the shit out of them. That's and awesome. We, <laughs> That's had, amazing. we had a couple of nights where like a uh, car full of guys would come and try to fuck with everybody. And then like all of a sudden 
this entire mob of gay people would just swarm over us. <laughs> uh, it was pretty insane. It was pretty insane. And you, you were talking about that that bar, and it just made me think of my my youth, my wild youth. Josh, uh, the most amazing part of that story was I didn't know there was a time that you were in your teens. I thought you've always been this age. Because <laughs> you've been this age as long as I've known you. You always look the same. Yeah, I, I still look like I was 35, but I was really like 18 or 17 or whatever. I, I, I have pictures of the, this exact beard. It just stayed the same at 17. So, But theoretically, you were also a skinhead, right? Yeah, I was the only one with long hair. There was me and another guy named Goldstein. It looks um, like Action Bronson, I bet. <laughs> he was he was he was Jewish and he was an accountant. Go figure. Uh, but he had hair because he was like a professional. So it was me and him <laughs> were the only ones that had hair. Gotcha. Uh, Brandon's like, all right, let's move on. <laughs> yeah, he'll talk all day about it if you don't stop him. <laughs> so uh, besides your film, what are some of your um, favorite queer horror films? Are there queer horror films? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, no, one I saw recently that I really love is A Knife and Heart. Um, yeah. That came out like while we were in the middle of filming Death Drop, and I was like really, uh, really, really into it. And a lot of the sort of Jalo inspirations that they had like made me excited for us to like finish Death Drop. Um, there's, yeah, just so th- that was like one of the driving forces of making Death Drop Gorgeous was that like there was so few and far. Um, so, uh, there's just like so few, yeah, queer horror films that we liked or saw or that were being talked about. Um, and even now, like when we go to a horror movie, I, I don't want to like talk crap about like a bunch of movies that are out, but I remember like there was this huge ordeal because this new horror movie that was coming out, like featured a gay couple or whatever. And I went to go see it and it was just so, it was just such bad representation. They were like yuppies who owned bistros. And I was like, this is not... <laughs> This is not fun. Like this. Wait, is- that's not that's not the case normally. Yeah, I know. Like, believe it or not, gays not all gays own bistros. Oh. <laughs> I feel like I've been lied to. Once our um, flower shops closed down, we open boutiques. <laughs> we move into neighborhoods and gentrify them and open bistros. Yes. Yep. We laugh now, but we're all about ten years away from this cruel, cruel face. <laughs> <laughs> we're we're still in that age where we're fighting against inevitability, but um, see, we'll see. Yeah, hey, um, that could be something. Death drop the bistro. <laughs> <laughs> this is how it starts. This is how it starts. Yeah, like sandwich, like, oh. that's called the Dwayne or something. <laughs> oh my God, death drop delicious. I like it. There you go. <laughs> I'm trying to think of at least two good ones, I think, for reference. And I think uh, with the camp and um, the kind of over-the-topness that our movie um, like aimed for, um, I think we would be uh, remiss not to mention Serial Mom. Like anything John Waters, that edge of kind of grotesque meets comedy meets like real mm-hmm. stuff. Um <laughs> And then I was just trying to think of more of a contemporary one to throw in there, but I actually really like Jennifer's body, which is like, was like surprisingly gay. And, um, Mm -hmm. uh, and I thought like kind of understated um, when it came out. Definitely. Yeah. I actually just recently rewatched Jennifer's body because it's on Criterion. And I was like, Oh, this is so queer. Like this is really good. (laughs) I like kind of forgot. Oh man. 
it, um, I think like, one of my favorites was like um, The Hunger. Oh, uh, shit. Yeah. Like three, I think. Unpopular opinion. I wasn't wild about it. <laughs> I know it's like super classic and fucking David Bowie's in it, but I'm like, eh. <laughs> we'll talk later. We're all about unpopular opinions, so don't worry about it. That's good. Yeah, it's it's really weird. I know, I know there are you know queer horror films that exist, but a lot of the ones that get like called queer horror, I just sometimes I get confused as to why. Um, yeah, uh, but I, I would have to say like um, that for for modern queer horror, I love that movie Raw. I thought Raw was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, that was really good. Um, apparently, like Hellraiser, always gets tossed under the the queer horror area. Um, I know Clyde Barker is gay, but like I'm not sure what about Hellraiser is queer. I don't like this. You know, I don't yeah. know. Weird. It seems pretty pretty fucking straight to me. But, I mean, it's a lot of a lot of heterosex in there. But I mean, I, I don't know. <laughs> no, I I agree with you. That actually really bothers me about what like when you if you look up queer horror, it's yeah. a bunch of films that it's like you're like i get it i get sometimes the reference they're trying to make or what they're trying to say but it's like what i appreciate about appreciate about your film is like it's just straightforward it's (laughs) it's just square (laughs) like there's no it's not like oh this little like relationship over here is kind of like subtly no it's like it's just it is what it is it's like why why mask it and pretend it's something else it's like uh nightmare on elm street 2 is the the one very Obviously, you know, like it, when you look at it now, it's like, yeah, duh, obviously. But like <laughs> it wasn't direct. Like, you know, it's like so I feel like a lot of the films now that we talk about from the past, it's like subtle or there's like these relationships that now we are like, oh, OK, I kind of see what was going on there. Um, yeah. So hopefully this is something that continues where it doesn't have to be masked or whatever. Except Babadook. I have no idea why that's gay horror. Oh. oh, so that oh. the reason that that happened is it's not that it's queer horror, but for yeah. some reason by accident, Netflix had it in the gay section for a really long time by accident. So that's where that whole thing came from. It was like in their like LGBTQ movies. It's like Netflix or one of those streaming yeah. services. Yeah, yeah, it was Net- it was Netflix, and then the gays were like, and the gay the gays were like, we claim it. It's a good movie. We'll take it. Yeah, <laughs> I, the. Um, Wayne and I had a really good conversation about like queer horror because there's like queer is like a critique, right? Like you can put a queer lens on most films. And so like a lot of like early, early horror movies that did involve queer characters, that doesn't mean it's a queer movie. It's yeah. just had queer elements. Like mm-hmm. I always think um, Norman Bates and Psycho, that's more of a gender identity and like literally like becoming somebody else and becoming a woman and becoming mm-hmm other which is super queer but that's not like yeah. sexuality queer yeah i think we had like the conversation with dress to kill yeah. that was another one that's that. an interesting one yeah there there was one uh that i saw that uh in my childhood and i have yet to see it again it's called beef you are what you eat um and that was the the main character and they never actually said he was gay but he ate bodybuilders so he could gain more muscle and basically, it was buff guys walking around with shirts off and getting Sounds like, like what kind of movie. Yeah, that, was, <laughs> was like, <"Where's> my- <laughs> that was one of those homemade ones you made, right? <laughs> Somewhere, I think Brandon stole it when he stole my Jack O. Uh, Come on, man, stop telling people I took that movie. I wonder if it's on <laughs> YouTube, you know, um, yeah, Jack O. 
My, yeah. my oh, yeah. like close to that script we were working on. Yeah. With, uh... yeah. There was this like insane story. Oh my God. I don't even know where to begin, but it was very, I was like working on something that's very, it was very similar. Um, but that's a story for another time as well. <laughs> <laughs> oh, have you guys, have you guys seen the new Chucky series? No, not yet. Oh yeah. They, so they I mean, good job with it. Yeah. Talking about, you know, queer horror, I mean, that's definitely, I mean, and, and we all know, you know, the creator of Chucky is also gay. So, and I think that like, that has come up in his films and he's, he's very like, you know, just, this is who I am. So I love that about him. And I love that he, you know, and he connects with John Waters and what, which one was it? Bride or Seed of Ch- Bride oh, of Chucky, I think. Yeah. Yep. But the, the main character in the new series is gay. Um, so that's, you know, something he's decided to kind of just, have as like a part of his his uh series now and it, i think it's wonderful it's great i've heard nothing but good things it looks pretty cool i don't have the sci-fi app or whatever um but hopefully i'll end up on like hulu or something at some yeah. point yeah it was my partner wanted to watch it and i was like i don't know if i'm in the mood for this tonight but it's on the list um yeah. but like Not bad. bring it back to death drop just a little bit one of the like since we're talking about queer horror one of one of my things that I'm like really proud about our movie is that when we talk about it, like the writers are queer and then like the um, like crew members were queer and then our actors were queer and the story is queer. And I don't know, I feel like in the future, I hope that like when people are looking for like queer films, they mm-hmm. see that like everything about our movie is like seepingly gay, um, <laughs> not just a, a creator or a character was queer like um i'm hoping they see like we're at every goddamn angle it could be gay. Yeah. i do have one concern about that though you have an extra who was not queer <gasps> and he's sitting in this podcast right now the only one that is not apparently seeping gay uh but it it's funny. I, it's just on the surface, though, Josh. Don't 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 deny it. <laughs> uh, well, we'll get to that in a minute. The uh, so it, in the movie, I'm you can see me in one scene in the bar scene in the back, and uh, I forget who I was with. Uh, I had met a guy there. We were just chatting it up, having drinks, and way in the back. And uh, when you look at the film, it looks like we're holding hands. And I was like, oh, here I am. And I showed my wife. I was like, oh, there I am way in the back. She's like, why are you holding that guy's hand? Because like, it's a gay movie. Hello. <laughs> like, I couldn't come on. I was like, oh, and that's how it looks. So I just went I went with it. Um, and now he's getting divorced. And, uh, now I'm getting divorced. <laughs> <laughs> that was the only CGI we had in the movie. Uh, uh, Pixar did that for us. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> There, there was one question like I gotta ask. It's on everybody's mind. Is tragedy single? Ooh. I think so. Actually, yeah. She, yeah. I don't know. I was, I was watching a movie. I'm like, have you seen this tragedy? And my wife's like, <laughs> like, it takes a lot to be married to me, but I, I love tragedy. I think she is absolutely amazing. Um, yeah. and you can find her stuff on YouTube too. Yeah, uh, super good. Yeah, so, I mean, you were showing some of the stuff uh, that night when you were uh, after Suspiria too, because she was supposed to show up, but uh, oh yeah, restrictions yeah. she couldn't. 
So yeah, for anyone who's uh, like listening, that's not um, aware of tragedy. Um, they go by uh, complete destruction in Providence as like their drag persona. Um, and they're, I just agree with you. They're fucking phenomenal. Yeah. They're one of the, um, they're, I don't know. Like I can actually, they're an artist, like they're so talented. And um, I'm, I was happy that so many people came away from the movie really loving tragedy. Cause we really love tragedy. We have this whole weird backstory about her like more so than probably any of the other characters in the movie. So I, so it was nice to like read reviews or read people's responses and that um, she kind of like stole the show for them, which was really exciting. Yeah. Yeah, I remember when uh, they read the script, we're like, so you have seven lines in the entire movie, but we have a lot of like film time for you. (laughs) We also like typecasted her. (laughs) She's kind of just a weirdo. (laughs) That sits in corners of bars. <laughs> <laughs> so how was it working with like professional drag queens? <laughs> I'm never going to do it again. My God. <laughs> no, no. Um, all the drag queens that we worked with are, it's really exciting because a lot of those um, queens I didn't know personally before. And I actually like consider them my good friends now. Um, like I work with some of them now regularly and they're also pro, like they all, all the outfits you see with the exception of like maybe like one or two, they all brought to the set, like they brought their vision and they brought what they thought the character would wear. And we kind of just let them run, run amok with it. Um, they all, with the exception of Payne St. James though, are always late. So if you're ever working with a drag queen, tell them they need to be on set like an hour ahead of, of when you actually need them like notoriously late. We call it drag queen time. (laughs) I know you guys were featured in many festivals, which is part of promoting and getting the movie in the right hands. I'm sure you guys are looking forward to attending them all, but COVID got in the way. How has it been trying to do business and promote your film during the pandemic? It's kind of a... um... A curse, a curse and a blessing at the same time. Like one of the, the best parts, like you, you said, is when you have your movie in a festival, um, going out there and networking and meeting people. Um, like that's how we met Linnea Quigley and uh, Tyler and Roman, who did the Scream Queen documentary. They, they did a lot of stuff for us too. Like to, uh, Roman did a lot of our sound. Um, Tyler did uh, cut our trailer and helped us some other things too. Um, we met them at Salem Horror Fest. We weren't we weren't playing that year, but we were able to go out there and network and, and talk to people. Um, and we really made like connect like getting Linnea Quigley all those connections. Like um, Devin from uh, um, span sexrament that like scores from the movie he knew linnea set that up so like the festivals are just a great opportunity to like do these things so we did not we did not get to do that um the the positives of the pandemic were a lot of the festivals did virtual showing so it, it was able to reach like a larger audience um but i think there is something special about having like the geographic locations of these festivals exist like in their own little bubbles um which is cool i'm afraid if everything goes like goes online or goes virtual we're going to lose a lot of the festivals um so it's kind of it's a it's a double-edged sword but as, as for us it like it's, i mean I, it's, it's really hard to say if it like it helped us or, or hindered us i don't really know but um it's yeah it. <laughs> yeah no same with what brandon was saying like, it's hard to gauge how much of a hindrance it was and how much of like a positive impact it had because like we didn't get we i like we didn't get to um really experience our movie like in a theater with folks and see people react like we had some drive-ins which were really exciting but again that's like you're not like next to people and seeing them like respond to like you know the meat grinder scene or whatever but like when we premiered at wicked queer uh which was our first festival they went virtual we sold like over a thousand tickets which means like 
I, and a ticket was probably not just one person by themselves. They probably had friends over to watch it. So I think it got to be seen by more people than it would have like right off the bat. But at the same time, uh, we think we always say like death drop is supposed to be sort of like a group event. Like you're supposed to see with other people. Like it's not supposed to be this sort of intimate experience. You have one-on-one with the movie, like it's supposed to be a party. So, um, so yeah, I don't know. It's hard to, it's hard to say what it would look like in an alternate universe had COVID not, not uh, disrupted our plans for world domination. <laughs> and that's a thing too. I was actually a part of the Salem horror fest uh, judge panel that year when that film, when you guys had it in the festival. So I was able to see it then and then score it and kind of give that review and everything like that. So I thought you guys really did a great job on it. And like I said, you know, you know, when you know someone and you, and you, they do something and you just like, you support them. But like, I'm really proud of you guys, all the work that you guys put into it, because like, even when you guys came to our events, like you guys are like working on it, like Brandon was there, like doing some edits on to the film and like making notes and stuff. So it was kind of cool seeing that whole process develop to this future um, presentation that you guys did. So you guys killed it. And I can't wait for the next film. Thank you, you, Brandon. But oddly enough, that's not what your review said. Oh, yeah? (laughs) Let me pull that bad boy up. (laughs) (laughs) Trash. Trash. It's a classic. Classic. Proud of you guys. He said instant classic. That's what he said, right? (laughs) I didn't know you were on the judging panel for Salem Horror. That's so cool. We love that. They've been so good to us. And Mm -hmm. They're really doing something special. Like I'm excited for future installments of it. Um, Kay from Salem Horror has yeah. been nothing but a, like a huge support of us too. Yep. Um, she's fantastic. So that's awesome. Yeah. Oh, well, that's awesome for you guys too. You know, that's that's pretty cool that so many people, you know, they they see it, they love it, they support it. You know, uh, and it's really cool that you know a bunch of cool guys from Providence were able to reach so many people all over the place. Like, so that, you know, kudos to you guys. That's pretty awesome. Thank you. <laughs> Providence is a pretty awesome place. There's a lot of really cool art and just, you know, like, like horror, the stuff that you guys are doing, like music all over town. It's just it's like, we never, Providence like never breaks. Like we never get any drag Queens on drag race. We never like our bands never like get super big. I mean like lightning bolt and daughters got you know pretty big, but like, you know, it's like, we never get a break anywhere. So we're hoping like uh, we start putting Providence on the map with this stuff and getting more, more people here and more people interested. Yeah. Today I saw that the most, the richest person from Rhode Island is Meredith Vieira. And I was like, we, really? have, to beat, we have to beat her. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how. I thought it was going to be Viola Davis, but it was Meredith Vieira. Wow. Like, uh, I, I've got your number, Meredith. Um, I got it. <laughs> well, like you said, you know, it's a film that is supposed to be like in a party setting. So next Friday, you know, how, yeah. like how at our events, we're going to have a party and feature your film, you know? So I can't wait for that. Like it's something that we always wanted to do. Like, even like what we said, when you guys were working on it. So it's just like having it showcasing it for a movie night and now doing it with you guys. It's like, I can't wait. One of of my, Oh, go ahead, Brandon. Oh, I said, we're psyched. (laughs) I was just going to tell you guys that one of my favorite stories recently was, um, Jenny from Buttonwoods Brewery, um, who always helps us coordinate, was telling us that she actually watched your film on her uh, flight to uh, Vegas. 
<laughs> and she, I guess she didn't necessarily like know what she was getting herself in for. She loved it. But like, there were some scenes where she was like, oh my God, I can't believe I'm watching this on a plane. Um, and we all know what scene exactly she's talking about. So uh, that was just no amazing idea. to even get that visual of her watching that on a plane. <laughs> yeah. It's <That is> awesome. <laughs> Oh yeah, thank you. Guys. Uh, you so I don't uh, at the pop up. Um, you guys gave uh, my daughter showed up with a bunch of her friends on her birthday, and one of her friends is a little person, and she was so excited to meet you guys, um, and she has been bugging me to see the film, and I just reached over and gave her a copy. I was like, "How much do I owe you guys?" You're like, "No, it's good," and I told her I was like, "Well, they just gave it to you," and she ran home to watch it, and she started like texting me and i'm like i cannot text a teenage girl so i'm like you're you're blocked like i have your number for emergencies but i'm not talking to you <laughs> um, so i uh she she was like so enthusiastic the rest of the night she was we went to oh. david buster's for my daughter's birthday and she was telling everybody and showing everybody and um <laughs> Dave and Buster's is not a little person friendly and she could not go on a lot of stuff and do a lot of stuff. And she was like, it's okay. Cause I got to meet these guys and I got there. To <laughs> <laughs> but was she enthusiastic after she watched the movie? Or? <laughs> As she was, which is why I had to block her. I had to literally take her out of my phone, like stop texting me. Uh, Cause I'm, I'm a 40 year old guy married with like, and she's my daughter's age, you know, like I can't be getting texts from young <laughs> girls. I'm not even get the fuck out of here. Did you ever see the Kirby Enthusiasm episode with that? What's that? There's a Kirby Enthusiasm episode about uh, Larry David texting with a little girl. It's pretty funny. <laughs> <laughs> His doctor starts thinking he's a pedophile. It's a, it's a long story. It's, it's I a, love that show. It's so good. <laughs> So good. I think it was like the, one of the last seasons. It's one of, like one of the last couple. It's it's great. Uh, that that the one when the girl got her period and he had to show how to use a tampon. <laughs> oh yeah, that, that was great too. Oh my god. But this one is like his um one of his uh assistant's daughters like started texting him about like the Wizards of Waverly Place. Um, but she also had like a vagina infection, and so like he was like, <laughs> so it came up in one of the texts to Larry David. It's like a. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So talking about the pop-up, like when you guys came to the pop-up, you guys had like these cool posters. And so we were like, I was able to get one and you guys all signed it. And I appreciate that. Yeah. Now, was that supposed to be the original cover art for the movie or no? What happened? Like it was? Yeah, it was. Okay. Um, you know, with a lot of distribution companies, they have these ideas of like focus groups and what sells and like what catches mm -hmm. people's eyes. And so we, before we got uh, picked up, um, we commissioned this artist who's in, is he in Colombia or Venezuela? Mm -hmm. um, Venezuela. Yeah, and um, we were directed to him because we wanted to, Chris Delpy, our lovely visual um, artist here, made a lot of our posters prior <laughs> to, which were all great. We wanted something that like, I don't know, just uh, had some sort of like an 80s feel, but also was, I don't know, like, um, caught your eye. And so we commissioned this artist to do this great poster. And unfortunately, 
our distribution company decided that it wasn't like, like they liked it, they said, but it like, wasn't like marketable in their eyes or whatever. So we had it hidden for a little while and we were like, we need like people to see this cause it's beautiful. It's um, it's great. And so um, I don't know if it was Wayne or Chris had the idea of like printing it as some posters. And so um, we're hoping it eventually makes it onto some like, I don't know, vinegar syndrome type DVD. Uh, yeah. Um, That'd be amazing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, so it was supposed to be the new poster um, going in and um, yeah. I'm trying to get trauma to look at you guys. I don't know how yeah. you would feel about that, but uh, I feel like you guys would fit right in with some trauma. <laughs> no, I think so too. Well, that was our first company where we were like, we're, we should reach out to them. <laughs> so the reason that they are the production or our distributor switch didn't want that cover. They were saying that um, movie covers that have a face on the cover do better and get more clicks for some reason. And we didn't have a face on ours, which is like, okay, whatever. But like, if you, if you look through like um, any of those streaming services, the majority of covers have some kind of face on it. It's, it's stupid. Yeah. yeah. Human. I just wanted to give a uh, Juan Jose um, Saldariga, um, Dariaga, um, who is the Colombian artist who did the um, awesome prints. And if you check him out, he's all like, he is, always kind of producing and creating more work um he's definitely somebody to follow if you want like niche beautiful art prints of uh movies that you love it's all horror stuff too yeah, yeah. he did an interview awesome. with the vampire recently that was like so gorgeous so so good our buddy chris mcgibbon that set us up with him he's uh, he's working on um i think of a night of the demons documentary and juan also did the cover for that too and it's it's, it's beautiful it's all it's like this big fractured mirror with like all the uh, actors, the, the demons and stuff's faces in it. It's great. Very cool. Uh, Brandon brought up the fact that you guys signed a poster for him. And I need to, on next Friday, get one from you guys all signed too. And it's yeah. going to go on this empty space right here for <laughs> our video. So, yeah. Dave, you literally just told me you were going to put a picture of me there. Yeah, then I, I changed my mind when I talked to them. I was like, they're way cooler. You literally said that right no before offense, you No offense, Josh, but they're cooler. Oh, <laughs> hurt my feelings, Steve. Sorry, <laughs> you're used to it. Um, all right, so um, I want to ask you guys a question, and I don't want to beat this idea of queer horror to death, like because oh, no. I know we brought it up a bunch, but I am curious, and um, this is something I think about a lot when I think of uh, films these days, and how like there's so much like um, there's so many divisive like subject matter or like. Um, themes that come up in horror uh, these days or mo- movies in general. Now, when we label this film queer horror, is that something you guys are very proud of? Is it something you even thought about when you were making it or now? Are you kind of like, do you, how divisive do you feel like it is actually like for you guys? Do you feel like it's something that can be enjoyed by everyone? Do you feel like there's, you kind of anticipated that there might be some people that are just not interested in it. And how does that make you feel? That's such a good question. Yeah, it's such, big, it's such a big topic that I feel like we could probably fill an entire podcast talking about because there's so many facets of it um, that are like somewhat upsetting. Like, and but also some, I don't know. Um, I remember when our first like trailer dropped through our distribution company, and I think it was on Bloody Disgusting, I think did the first drop, and just like, it was so discouraging, like reading the comments. Like I just like had to stop because it was like unhealthy uh, for me to like be reading them. 
And um, I'm very privileged in the sense that I live pretty insulated in, in, I work at a job where I can be out. I have like queer friends. So I'm like very much like an out, like proud gay man, but I'm like on a coastal city that's like very progressive in, in retrospect, in, in comparison to other parts of the country. So it was weird to like have that sort of like reality check where it was like, oh, like because this is called like an LGBTQ slasher, like there are people that are just going to be adverse to it just because of that. Um, so yeah, I don't know. That was like a weird thing to reconcile. I think our movie, like while we, I agree that it's like seepingly gay, as Chris said, I think that we like take you to our world, but it, I feel like you can have a good time there if you just kind of like let that shit like fall, fall to the wayside. Like it's not like, I don't know. It's not just a, a gay movie by, by any means. Like I'm very proud of it being queer and unapologetically queer, but it's like gnarly and gross. And like that, we didn't just, I don't know, just do it to be super fucking gay. We may have wanted to make like a gross 80s slasher. So. Yeah. I agree with a lot of that. Like I feel like early in death drops inception, the goal for us was to like bridge two kind of fan groups, like kind of a, like an LGBT queer group to our horror fans and like really bridge those gaps. And oddly enough, when I think we were making the film, my, I don't think I had, I had the vision yet that we would be reaching so many different people and different audiences. Um, so I actually was really surprised by our specific reception from straight horror fans. Um, and I actually thought we did really, really well with that, those audiences in a way that people were enjoying it. And then on the other side, like, though our movie is queer, um, I've always found it like a harsh indictment of like the queer community. Like basically we, um, we have a lot to say about ourselves and about our community, um, like the internal racism, the internal ageism and like transphobia that exists within our own small community. So though I'm like, this is for the gays, but I'm like, also this is for the gays, like holding a mirror up to them. Um, so I actually find that the fact that people enjoy it and are having so much fun with it, but also understands that there's a little bit of a deeper meaning there. Um, that's what I find is not divisive, but like uh, poignant is I guess the word I'm looking for. We're just at this weird time in our country now where it, like everything is so divisive and polarized. Like it's like, you know, if a, if a liberal says this and the Republican hates it automatically and vice versa, like even like when like Candyman came out, the remake, um, you know, like people before the movie came out were already like, oh, another one of this political agenda and blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Like our movie is something in the comment section. It's like, oh, let me guess. Like Christian conservatives are the villain. And it's like micro back is like, no, it's actually a fucking drag queen. Like I was not having it that day. I was like, no, the villain is us. <laughs> like, <what? laughs> fucking, like this knee-jerk shit. It's like everyone is just like so on the on the offense. They just want to fucking fight. Everyone's just been so hostile yeah. lately. It's like Hate to tell, hate to tell, like these these insult piece of shit horror fans this, but horror has been political since day one. There's been politics and social commentary buried in like thousands of your favorite horror films. This isn't anything yeah. new. Um, I think you know there's some things in some films in the last few, you know few years a little bit more in your face and than usual, which is totally fine. So I just don't understand like this brand new like oh these woke horror films and it's like man, I, well talk to George Romero. I mean you're gonna call yes. all this shit woke. It's like 
it's just obnoxious. Um, I'm hoping it's something that changes. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's it's just stupid. I think people are just like just want to fight and cause trouble. Um, the, even like the comment section on the blade discussing thing, like it wasn't surprising, but like even some of the gays were kicking. It's like I'm gay and this looks like shit. It's just like you know. Um, yeah. But you know what? Like if. If, if, these motherfuckers like make your own horror movie then if you if you have something you want to say and you want to make a non-woke horror movie and you guys can like you know fuck your sisters and shoot each other in the head and like in like magaville like dust bowls of oklahoma go fucking right ahead that can be your movie but we're making movie we're making content and we're you know we're doing our thing so just either like put up or shut up yeah and yeah. hey, <laughs> you know earlier i mean you know i i brought up trauma earlier but the reason why i was thinking of your film in like the trauma realm is so we recently, you know, we've been doing Trovember this month and we're, we yeah. talked to Lloyd Kaufman actually, which was amazing. And his big thing is he can't stand movies that don't talk about what's going on right now. And like, he's, he gets a lot of backlash about his films, obviously. And like, you know, the, the places he'll go to them, but he's like, it's all to kind of point out like the absurd absurdity in like society or like, you know, it's like you we put these things in our films to like show like you guys think this is OK, but like we're trying to show like it's not. And I, I just love that like films can send a message and be grotesque and be horror and be fun and all that stuff. So I, that's what I love about your film. And that's why, like I said, immediately in my mind, I was like, it's like a trauma film. It's like it has a message. And so many people are going to miss that message because they're just hung up on like what the surface level is. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. What's crazy. I mean, this, the, like, I just can't imagine like having that many assumptions for a film you've never seen. I mean, I think like us and Candyman just got fucking roasted. It was around the same time. And it was just, it was Man. just like, Oh my God, you people are pathetic. Like if someone watched their movie and has like some valid critiques, like it's not for everybody. I mean, it's, it's crazy. That's fine. Like I'll, I'm, I'm down for negative reviews. That's par for the course. Like when you put your artwork out there, it's like, that's what happens. But like, you know, at least like see it first. <laughs> yeah. People love the shit these days though. Here's Wayne. Is he still here? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wayne, I, I want your opinion. You're so quiet. Uh, I was just like listening to everything and just kind of agreeing with them. Cause it's, I mean, this is, this it's we've all had this group discussion together like when these things come out when these as these reviews were coming out and we were just kind of seeing like you know the the debate going back and forth and um you know like them trashing our film trashing the the new Candyman it just was like a group you know message and we're just going back and forth and it's I just kind of come to the point where I'm like I don't even read this stuff anymore um I I understand that you know there's it's our film's not going to be everyone's taste. Some people don't like horror movies. Some people don't like action, whatever. Like I understand we're going to get negative reviews, but I just, I'm not going to, not going to dig into someone that's just, you know, trashing it just to trash it. Yeah. It's been like, I'm not, yeah, no, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Mike. No, no, you finish. Sorry. Oh no. I was just, it's like, it's, I'd, I'd rather spend our energy somewhere else than to worry about, you know, some, some political goon. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, I think it was just difficult because I, you know, if you were uh, a filmmaker with like a producers behind you and a distribution company, they're handling your social media, but it's us handling our social media. Like, like when the post goes up, it's like myself, Chris, Brandon or Wayne or Ryan, and we're making that and we see, we're the ones that see the reviews first. We see the tweets. Like, it's not some like woman that we hired to like do PR for us. So it's kind of like, 
I think we've developed a little bit of a thicker skin. I think when things yeah. were first coming out, we were like, we'd like be in our group chat and be like, look at this fucking thing. But now I just don't even pull <laughs> our letterbox. Like, I don't want to read it. I don't want to see it. Like, I don't need to know. Um, so yeah, like, I don't know. Cause you, you have to do your own self-promotion. So like I would search for reviews for us so that I could like share them with like on Twitter. So people to generate our own sort of, but I'd have to read the bad reviews, the ones that were like really cruel, yeah. for, like unnecessarily cruel, like a little mean. Um, like there was like, this person was must've been having a bad day because they just like went in and like tore us apart. Um, so yeah, I don't know. It's, it's like, it's difficult. It's, it's been, yeah. I think we sort of, um, I don't know. We've reconciled that, like Wayne was saying, like the film's not going to be for everybody. And uh, we're proud of what we did and proud of what we put out. Um, and that's like, should be the most important. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so one of the I other things you can, one thing, Dave, before yeah. you, before you jump to the next question, I think you'll see a lot of that change uh, when the, the next generation, the teenagers of now get older. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm reading, I, I read a lot and teen teen horror has taken off and there's tons of teen horror literature and everything that I'm reading in teen horror, there's always, um, there's, there's always, uh, one lesbian, uh, one gay romance story in the horror story. And what I'm seeing now is, uh, you know, not that I ever read before, but it wasn't even talked about when I was a kid and it was really different. I had a girlfriend that had a girlfriend and I had to fight every day. But now talking to my kids, that's apparently like commonplace here. Um, so I think I think your staying power is just going to increase over time, uh, especially seeing how um, I mean, teen literature, it's all over the library, every library. Uh, teens are really, I guess, reading now. And to have it so commonplace, I think really speaks volumes. And I think it's really going to become more accepted as time goes on, you know, not that that makes you feel any better now. No, no, cool. I love, I love that this might be a little non sequitur, but like on this topic, what I love about the movie is that it really captures like a time of provenance that even that time has like shifted a lot um, about like uh, different aged performers and like kind of like a bar scene that has already changed. Like it changed while we were making the movie. Um, but there was a time and place where that, like, even though it's an absurd, surrealistic reality, um, a lot of the stories were true. A lot of the spaces were true. And I don't know how long the spaces are going to be like that or going to exist. And so I'm looking forward to it being a piece of history, spe- specifically Providence history, too. Josh, I'm uh, really glad to hear also that they're letting you back in the library again. So that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> like been texting teenagers again, haven't you? <laughs> well, that is where he was getting all his teen fiction. So <laughs> uh, later on, later on, we can say that death drop walks so that teen fiction can run. <laughs> yes. There you go. Yeah. Uh, so one of the like early like descriptors of your film that I loved was talking about it being like a drag queen giallo. And when I would um, talk to friends about this film and like tell them that I knew people making a film like this, I would like, like humble brag. Like I know people making a drag queen giallo. Cause I think that's like awesome. Like giallo films are great. Drag queens are great. So just that combination is amazing. What other 
unique descriptors have you guys used for your own film? Um, family friendly. <laughs> Clearly. Let's <laughs> hey, Gorgeous brings families together. We've had a, a lot of it's true. Yeah, had a, a lot of heartwarming family stories that have <laughs> been a result of Death Gorgeous bonding. <laughs> yeah, that's a good question. Um, do you guys refer to it as a giallo? Sometimes. Yeah, yeah. There, there are a lot of giallo elements to it. Um, I think just with having so many, like, because the three of us wrote it and then like having like input from like Wayne and Ryan, just all our influences kind of going. So it's like a Jalo, but it's also an 80s slasher, but it's also a John Waters movie. Like there's just so much going on that it's just like this mm. weird hodgepodge of like all these sort of things. So it's, okay. that's like one of the hardest questions, like not your question specifically, but like when someone asked me to like describe it, I just don't even know like where to start because it's just all over the place. Yeah. <laughs> Movie, the movie itself is like a drag queen performance, right? So it's like impersonating all of these different elements yeah. and also just giving you a good show. <laughs> so you, you guys mentioned John Waters like a few times, and I think that's a pretty, like just his name is a description of a type of film. And I think that is like a pretty accurate one of your film, though. It is kind of like a John Waters film. So that's, I think that one's a good one right there. But kind of like... Kind of like <laughs> that's what we're going for. That's where all the homages are for too. It's like uh, we do like um, a misery homage. We do um, throw them out there because I'm just talking now. Yeah, uh, there's like a David Lynch. Um, the Twin Peaks. Oh yeah, there's a Twin Peaks reference. There's, I mean, a lot of Gloria Hole also feels like Norma Desmond to me, like Sunset mm. Boulevard. Like I, I don't know. Yeah, there's like um, a little nod to. Um, Hush, hush, sweet Charlotte. Yeah, uh, yeah. And like, what we were going to do a fear <laughs> reference, but then we had to switch it. And now it's more like a seven reference when Tony gets the box and it's like, what's in the box? Like, I don't yeah. know. <laughs> yeah. The pop's head was actually supposed to go through the dog door, like the Reese Witherspoon movie. Um, fear. fear. Yeah. Fear, yeah, yeah. That, that was one of the earliest things that Brandon and I like geeked out <laughs> laughing. And we got the meat grinder, but we, you know, we couldn't make all of our dreams come true. <laughs> There's still time. There's still time. <laughs> so now with Death Drop Gorgeous under your belt, how has it been like working on the new film? It's been, it's it- been good. Because um, like Death Drop just took so fucking long. And like when we first wrote that script, it was 140 pages long. And like, um, uh, uh, Chris's sister and um, her husband, Phil, Phil is a filmmaker as well. He did an awesome movie just, just came out called The Spine of Night. Um, but uh, they're like, yeah, an average horror script is like 90 pages. We had to like go back and hack this thing down to 90 pages. And then like uh, we ended up filming a good chunk of stuff that like wasn't going to be in the movie anyway. So it's like we we, we did a lot of uh, a lot of work that we didn't need to do. Um, so this time around, we've been more efficient and just kind of streamlining things and making things, um, you know, quicker. Like when we, when we have shooting days, like it's so much easier. We, we have a better idea of like how those things are going to go now. Like we, uh, we prepare for the right amount of time. We prepare for, you know, um, the right amount of food, wherever we need. Like it's just been a lot faster and quicker. Yeah. Cause death drop was just like a learning experience from like start to end. Um, we're still learning, like, especially with like, like moving into distribution and what that means and like how, like how that, I don't know how that operates um so 
we, when we started writing, it was never like this grand scheme or plan that we would get it to where it got to. We were just kind of writing and having fun. And then it just, it just kept growing from there. So now with working on like in quarantine, we wrote a script called Queen of the Rats that we're really excited about, but that's going to require like a real big budget um, for reasons I don't want to give away yet. So we, when we started writing St. Drogo, we were just like very cognizant of like making sure that it was like smaller cast and that we could like execute it um, with like our the crew size we have because it's like the five of us. And then we um, roped in Kevin Bowden, who scored some of Death Drop, who's a photographer. And it's just like us doing it. So it's been more efficient. Um, and I think hopefully we'll be done by like the end of winter. So it won't take one and a half years of our lives. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta say, I'm since um, I feel like uh, everyone's hats were in Queen of the Rats. Um, didn't mean to rhyme, but um, with Saint Droga, we're all still involved. But I, what I'm really proud of is like as a team. Like again, like I said earlier, we share a lot of hats and we share a lot of roles. And what I gotta say is, what I'm really excited about this Saint Drogo is um, tonally, um, it is still queer horror, and it is still. Um, a lot of the elements relating to Death Drop, but it is experimenting with a very different tone um, that sometimes it's fun to make things into like a joke and have a punchline. But um, I think it's been a really interesting challenge to see something develop that um, is actually supposed to be more somber and brooding and not to leave you laughing. Um, So I'm really excited just that this will be another um, piece to showcase uh, what the team can do. I have, I think, one last question, and this is a big one. I'm going to really just hand this off to the person who is the main focal point here, Wayne. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> wait, wait, I got to wake up? <laughs> so, Wayne. I know, I'm awake. <laughs> no, I'm just, I know, I know. Uh, Wayne, talk to us a little bit about what it was like to be a lead of a film. Like, you are the lead of this film. Like you are definitely the most like present person in this film. Like you usually have a lot of camera time. What was that like for you? And you're, you're, I mean, you're pretty reserved person in general, but like, then you're in this film where you're like the main person. So what's that like? Um, I, it honestly, it was, I, the thought of it was pretty terrifying. Um, I wasn't sure what to, I wasn't sure what to, what to expect or, you know, I didn't want to let anyone down, but um, I think honestly, like, um, I mean, it sounds like kind of cheesy and cliche, but I think when you're kind of doing a project with your best friends, they kind of hold, they almost hold your hands like along the way and kind of like support you. So um, I think it, it ended up being far less scary than, than I actually expected it to be. Yeah. Also like the most difficult task of playing like the, like, when I say straight man, I don't mean straight, like sexual orientation, but he had to be like the anchor. Wayne's character was always supposed to be like the anchor for audience members to like, be like, Oh, like there's still like, uh, cause the world around Dwayne is like insane. And there's just like these drag Queens and there's a killer. And like, so Wayne had the very difficult task of like playing the straight man and like needing to be earnest. Whereas like the drag Queens could just come in and like shriek, yeah. sh- shriek their lines. But Wayne had to like actually act. And I, he did a great job. <laughs> he actually <laughs> to, to center the film and there's a lot of heart in his character. So I thought not to like, I don't know, stroke your ego, I, but he did. A I had a, 
I had a lot of uh, good direction support. So that's I was I was kind of thinking about your role in the like the realm of just like you as a person and then you in this film. And I was like, I mean, I mean, I kind of um, can be kind of reserved, too. So I'm like, I think I would be absolutely terrified doing this and just seeing like you do this and like look like natural on the screen was pretty awesome. So. Well, I, a lot, oddly, thank you. Like oddly, a lot of it was um was was extremely relatable. And that was like the the strange thing where um I did I got introduced to Mike during the writing process of this movie, and there were so many of these uh, some of the situations that do happen in the movie have I mean aside from a lot of the killings um have were actual experiences I've been through, and I was like Brandon, did you did you tell him this? And Brandon's like, I've never even told him that story. That's that's so. It was just, it was, so it was, it was very relatable. So it did make it a lot easier. What we seem to fail to mention here is when we're like, would you like to be the lead of the movie? And you're like, great. So I'm going to require that you throw me through a glass. Yeah. No. And us being like, great, we will do our best to like fuck you up in this movie. Um, so like he, yes, his character is reserved, but don't forget that character got thrown through a table and like through like, like and a champagne bottle was smashed in his face for real. <laughs> <laughs> a couple of beer bottles, I think. Yeah, we failed to deliver Wayne. Wayne just really wanted to be thrown through a glass window, and we tried to fit that in the script, but um, it did. Maybe the next one. <laughs> Dog head through the door. Wayne, through, <laughs> Wayne through the door. <laughs> oh, if we. We still need the Santa sleigh to land on someone. <laughs> Next week, we can throw you through a window at the film, and, it's, and we'll work it all out. We'll be all set. I'm can we start the movie through that the way? Yeah, right through the Buttonwoods window. That'd be great. <laughs> <laughs> but imagine if we have like this um, a big fake glass screen in front of the movie theater, and before like the whole thing starts, you just have Wayne run through it. Josh, make it happen. Let's go. Um, I got you covered. Uh, so you can put stuntman down right next to actor, and I'll get some glass, and we'll 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 do a PVD horror throw, and all three yeah. of us. <laughs> I have a stunt credit in there. <laughs> hey, there you yeah. go. There you go. Yeah. Your eye like, is just getting bigger and bigger and bigger. It's uh, it's blowing up. Yeah, I was actually the killer stunt double. Nice. And you had like a broken foot most of the movie. Yeah, uh, I think I broke what? my foot twice during filming. So yeah, there's a lot of scenes where um, I'm supposed to be in a cast that we can't take off. Wow, dedication. <laughs> so, um, I guess I I just wanted to kind of say put this out there. Um, you know, we got our event coming up next week. I mean, our this connection between PVD horror and you guys. I hope continues for for a long time because i mean we've obviously really i feel like it's we've benefited from knowing you guys and i hope that we've been able to kind of have some influence on you guys as well just like as people in general just and building a community and i hope that also like if you guys ever need extras i mean yeah you got us so yeah. utilize december 5th <laughs> yeah december december 5th i'll give you guys the details if all right you want to be extras we need absolutely <laughs> down yeah, I'm just I'm just do, sick of Josh talking about it all the time. So I gotta I gotta do this too. That's all he talks about. Aware of this, I was in one other uh movie. Oh, uh, I was gonna give you credit for not bringing that up tonight, Josh. Oh, I'm bringing it up. I'm bringing it up. 
my big acting credits. Uh, I was an extra in another movie called Splatter Disco, which is about a killer furry. So, awesome. right? <laughs> That's amazing. Acting credits. I was an extra in a killer furry movie and a killer drag queen movie. Yeah. <laughs> I will I will point out if you all attend the December 5th one, you may be required to hold somebody's hand. <laughs> no, okay. Josh is like, I'm in. <laughs> no, Sorry, Miranda. I'm done. <laughs> it's finished. <laughs> That's hey, it. Complete destruction's gonna be there. <gasps> no way. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just trying to ruin your marriage, I guess. <laughs> Sorry. It was it was ruined as soon as we said I do. <laughs> oh, she is gonna she is gonna hear that, Josh. Podcast, gonna kill so you. Can, yeah, probably. Um so this is uh I, I think we should probably call this a night uh just because i feel like i honestly could ask you guys questions all night long uh just because i find you guys to be interesting and you guys um i just have just amazing answers to everything we've asked tonight so thank you so much for being here thank you guys and i want to say um, i think everything you guys is is doing for the community is amazing i think like it's hard to get people out of their houses i think it's really important to have these events to get people to like actually meet in person and hang out like we've made friends at all the events you guys have had like met um lots of really great people and i think i i I think we're starting to lose that in in this country i think everyone just stays home on their computers like even my friend's daughter they hang out on um on snapchat they have like little emojis of each other and they like they like on a weekend we'll just talk to each other and like not even go out in person it's so fucking weird i mean they do eventually but like I just having that human interaction, I just think is so important. And especially with, especially with the horror community too, it's just great. So I give you guys a lot of credit for trying to keep that alive. Cause I just feel it's like, it's less and less of the stuff is happening. Um, like, like even going to shows, if there's less people at like live music now, it's just kind of, I mean, I know COVID's happening too, but I feel like even before COVID things were kind of starting to slow down at, at like uh, venues and, and bars and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I, I think that that's, it's been tough for us to kind of keep the motivation. I'll be honest with you. Um, and COVID has a lot on like, at least for me, um, that's probably been more of the thing that told, held me back. But like, you know, just in general, like you said, it's people don't seem to want to come out sometimes. So sometimes we would put together a, an event, like especially early on, and it would be discouraging because it's like, really? not Nobody wants to come out for this. And, yeah. you know, that's why we always appreciated. Like we learn to just, it, it doesn't matter who, how many people show up, it's who shows up and like what their intentions are. So when we got to meet you guys and we got to connect with you guys, it's like, this is actually why we're doing this. It doesn't, I don't care if it's 40 or 10 people, if it's 10 people I enjoy being around, then that's all that matters. So oh, yeah. that's why we've, I think that's the thing that actually does keep us going at all. Um, so thank you guys for that. Well, thank you guys. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, that pop-up was so exciting. Like that was just like, so heartwarming, like in the corniest way, but it was like, I don't know. Yeah. I just met so many vendors and so many folks that I didn't know um, existed near me um, that, I don't know. That was exciting. I can't wait for the second one. I hope you guys do another one. Cause that was uh, probably one of like the more memorable events that like we've got to participate yeah. together as like a team. So it was yeah. wild people. I don't, I don't know if you saw the, like, um, I think the next interview we did after that, like I signed on and I was like, I'm wearing my PVD horror sweater and my black little hat. Yeah. And then yeah. 
Mike signed on. <laughs> I was like, oh, you're also wearing your PVD horror sweater <laughs> and your black little hat. And then I was like, without a doubt, Brandon signed on. And he's like, I'm in a car, but I'm also wearing my PVD horror. Look, awesome. It looked really our little matching PVD sweatshirt, PVD horror sweatshirt that we were just all like. That's awesome. <laughs> um so yeah i'm glad you guys had fun at the pop-up you know that was always my intention to put something to put something like this together because like all the support that everyone has given us over the years and just helping out like with the raffles and everything donating stuff so it was just cool to kind of like have everyone that helped us along over the years together in one room and even outside in another room the whole the whole building and so it was just like it was all support and it was a great time and we definitely plan on doing it again and so, you know, the horror community definitely supports and is behind you guys and just want to keep it going. Oh, yeah. So yeah. I, don't, I don't know if we actually had you guys formally say this, but we have everybody just say, what exactly should people be watching out for? How do they catch you now? All that stuff. Fill us in. I can jump in if you want to fill in any blanks. Um so be sure to uh, visit our recently launched website, monstermakeupllc.com, or you can go to deathdropgorgeous.com and you can view all of our upcoming projects as well as side hustles that we've been working on. Uh, all of our accounts are on social media as well. So you can find us uh, Monster, Makeup L- Monster Makeup LLC on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, as well as Death Drop Gorgeous on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And St. Drogo, though it doesn't have as many followings, will get there on uh, all three of those channels as well. Chris also just recently updated our website to have a link tree to see like where you can like watch the movies. Um, so if you're listening and you want to watch Death Drop Gorgeous, you go to that website that Chris said, you'll be able to. Um, it's everywhere right now. So um, if you just go to iTunes and stuff, but if you if you want to go to our website, there's like links to 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 watch the movie. Yeah. The link tree almost feels passive aggressive. Like there's no reason you should not be watching this. <laughs> and for any local listeners, uh, we will be all together at Buttonwoods Brewery in Cranston, November 19th, 8 p.m. Get your tickets ahead of time at buttonwoodsbrewery.com or just get them at the door. But either way, definitely make make it out to this event. It's going to be a fun time. Uh, We will be putting together a raffle and proceeds are going to go to you guys for film funding of your next project. So uh, we're really looking forward to that. And um, yeah, it's just, it's good beer, good food and good company so definitely make it out to this event so and also any- add in the raffle like a raffle like the winner can just toss Wayne through a window it's <laughs> <laughs> uh, gonna go to a good cause yeah <laughs> basket and they get to toss Wayne through the window he wants to been wants to be tossed it's perfect That's so you can sweet. even dunk tank me in fake blood it's fine <laughs> and depending on how many drinks we've had Brandon can be pretty handsy too. So if that's a motivation. <laughs> well, that's Josh will be looking for some hand holding. So <laughs> old fashioned hand holding. That's all he's ever wanted. Yep. 
So everybody, thank you for listening. Uh, be sure to check them out, come to our event and all that good stuff. Um, and yeah, thank you guys again. And everybody have a good night. Uh, I didn't actually leave yet, though. All right. we, we didn't don't do it. Wait out. till the fucking thing's over, Josh. You always do this shit. Don't over. leave. Don't leave. Don't leave. This is going to be this awkward audience. cut. Now this is an awkward cut at the end, Josh. Oh, Jesus. He doesn't do any editing, so he doesn't get it. Same <laughs> mess. Game over. You lose.